big question is this, how do we use the eight frameworks inside the new science of physical health to overcome this statement? Personal responsibility for your physical health is a myth and it doesn't work. These eight frameworks do. They will make you more physically healthy than 98% of people in the community that you live in. Why don't we get started in today's episode right now? Hey everybody, welcome back here to the Daily Drop episode number 89 of the new science of physical health. This episode today has so much importance for me and also for the people listening to it in regards to the new science of physical health and that um, uh, phrase that I coined and put together with this platform. The whole area, when I was growing up, and uh, for those of you who the first, this is the first episode, when I was growing up and after my father had passed away back in 1989, I began to start exploring and working with an organization here in Australia, so I qualified my degree in health and phys ed, with the National Heart Foundation of Australia, and I came across back in maybe about 1990, 91, I was in my early 20s at that stage, mid-20s, um, a person called Dr. Kenneth Cooper. And Dr. Kenneth Cooper uh, was, well, he still is a uh, doctor of exercise physiology. And he had this incredible background. He wrote some books that uh, back in 1968 he first published. He established in um, 1970 and founded something called the Aerobic Center in Dallas, Texas, where he lives, he resigned from the uh, from the military, had 13 years of service in the U.S. Army and the U.S. Air Force, and he was served as a flight surgeon and the director of aerospace medical laboratory. And he developed a whole bunch of different fitness testing used in branches of the military and in schools and other organizations worldwide. And he, so he started the Cooper, uh, the aerobic center in Dallas with one mission: to explore the relationship between cardiovascular fitness score or cardiorespiratory fitness score and health and longevity. So what was the relationship between health adaptations that happen as a result of improving this medical term called your cardiorespiratory fitness score? I call it active heart fitness score. Now, he uh, coined the phrase aerobics and he so he invented that and he wrote a book back there in 1968 translated into 41 languages and braille and that term aerobics was submitted to the official definition of the Oxford English Dictionary. Dr. Cooper then went on to author an additional 18 books, which have sold more than 30 million copies worldwide. So Dr. Cooper, when I found out who he was and I read his book back in the uh, uh, mid-90s for the first time, he became my, uh, I guess, my all-time hero in terms of understanding. He pioneered a lot of the other future scientists around the world, medical doctors, exercise physiologists, cardiologists, to explore this relationship between physical activity as a medicine and create, creating health adaptations to drive down your risk of the leading cause of sickness and death. So here's what happened for me and why I'm so excited to share this episode with you today. I'm going to give you about, over the next couple of episodes, I'm going to give you about 10 minutes, so maybe three or four episodes, 10 minutes of Dr. Cooper speaking this year. Now, as I record this episode, can you believe 
Dr. Kenneth Cooper, remember, he started his aerobic center in Dallas in 1970. So that's a long time ago. He's been a doctor of exercise physiology for a lot and medicine for a long time. The speech that you're about to hear is Dr. Kenneth Cooper a month ago in 2021. Dr. Cooper is 90 years old. Wait till you hear, and I do the transition in a minute or so, wait till you hear him speak. You will not believe for one second as he talks about preventative medicine and using physical activity as a preventative medicine. You will not believe in your wildest imagination that this man is 90 years old. He is literally living proof of his medical research. It is most, not only is he got longevity, the man is, I'm going to tell you the story. This is what happened. So I flew to a, a health and physical education conference in Nashville, Tennessee from Sydney, Australia in 2018. And um, it was my first time to one of these conferences in America. 5,000 people attended this conference who are from my industry of health and physical education. They're teachers. And I turn up there and I, I'm one of those people who loves going and looking at all, all the brand new things at the trade stand. So they have trade displays at these particular events. Now, 5,000 people, that's big at this one conference. That's bigger than my hometown that I grew up in here in Australia, which only had about 4,000 people. So there's more people attending this conference than there were people in my, where I grew up. So. Needless to say, the trade display stand was awesome, uh, and all the stands, all the different exhibitors and so forth. It was just like absolutely monstrous. For, for us in Australia, you have to understand this is a mecca. It's huge. And, and to top it all off, it was in one of my favorite spots in the world that I've always wanted to go to, Nashville and Tennessee, because I'm a big country music fan, having grown up in country Australia. So... As a teenager, which I love that life. And my dad played country music. So I was like, it was just in heaven when I got there. It was the greatest time. So I'm standing there talking with, um, I uh, had a great, I've got a great friend from San Francisco who's now in Las Vegas, uh, in Nevada. And we're doing lots of things together. And he and I were talking there at one of the trade stands. And I see this person walk past and I did a double take. And I looked at it and I turned to my, to my friend from San Francisco and I said, that's Dr. Kenneth Cooper. And I just didn't even say another word to my friend. I just simply bolt. He was 88 years old at the time that I met him in 2018 or no, 87 years old when I met him in 2018. I bolted over. I, he was completely by himself and I didn't realize this, but he was giving a lecture to a group of one of the conf- part of the conference, giving a lecture to part of the 5,000 people. So I, um, he mustn't have been in too much of a hurry. I got to spend 20 minutes with him one on one. That like, it was like for someone like me who's into the new science of physical health to meet the person who kicked off the whole idea and relationship between physical activity as a scientist health adaptations, and risk of cardiovascular disease and other chronic conditions. Um, that just blew me away to travel all that way from Australia 
have no expectation or understanding he's even going to be at this conference because it's so large. And I just happened to have like, seen him out the corner of my eye. We spent the 20 minute conversation together. He told me something when we were talking. I asked him a question about how powerful did he think that uh, active heart fitness score or the medical term as CRF score, how powerful did he think it was in helping to control health? His exact words to me, you cannot be physically healthy without having a high active heart fitness score. And he then he said to me, that is within every single person's control. It's not out of reach of any person because it doesn't take talent and it doesn't take skill. It just takes understanding and effort over time to raise your active heart fitness score. And then he, get, he repeated it. You cannot be physically healthy without it. And that meant a high active heart fitness score, which we go into in our health, in, in the health software that we have. So that was a delight. Then I went to the lecture and I spent an, another hour with him at the lecture and talked to him again afterwards. And it was just like, what struck me? which I think will strike you in just a moment in this first mini episode. I'm only going to give you 10 minutes of the episode, then I'll come back on at the end. Um, what struck me was I can't believe how – I mean, he's Texan, so he talks fast. Well, for Australians, he talks fast. He might not talk fast for you, depending on what part of the world you live in. So I have to listen closely because I feel like he talks quick. But I'm just like, for me and for the, the work that I do as an educator, I am – it's like – I'm hanging off every word this guy's saying because he is the world's leading scientist who helped inspire all the other scientists that I want to work with as an educator and bridge this gap between all of the complex medical research but the treasure trove of educational content that stays stuck in medical journals and never gets converted into simple to easy to use lessons. So without with all that said, there's a little intro from another doctor who's introing Dr. Kenneth Cooper. He's at home. Uh, this is like a virtual um, presentation he's done. And um, he's at home and then he comes on and he's going to talk about um, the uh, preventative medicine through physical activity. Phenomenal. So let's go and listen to, I think it's the first 10, 13, 14 minutes of Dr. Kenneth Cooper. I'll just finish off a little bit at the end to prelude tomorrow's episode. All right, let's transition now and hear one of my heroes, 90-year-old, Dr. Kenneth Cooper. I defy anybody. If I didn't tell you that, it's like wipe your mind of that and then just listen to him and see whether or not you think he is even close to that age. All right, here he is, my all-time hero in, in the new science of physical health, Dr. Kenneth H. Cooper. When Dr. Cooper published his bestseller, Aerobics, in 1968, he not only introduced a new word to our vocabulary, aerobics, but also a new concept to the world, exercise as medicine. Dr. Cooper is recognized as the leader of the international physical fitness movement and is credited with increasing the number of people who exercise in pursuit of good health more than any other individual. Dr. Cooper is here today to talk with us about preventive medicine. As I said earlier, we will have a few minutes at the end for Dr. Cooper to answer questions. So please use the Q&A function on your Zoom application, and we will get to as many of those questions as we can at the end. It is now my honor to introduce Dr. Kenneth H. Cooper, the father of aerobics, 
to talk to us this morning. Dr. Cooper. Thank you, Laura. Welcome to the people who are viewing this this morning. Tell this presentation is preventive medicine. It's more beneficial and cost-effective to prevent disease than to find a cure. We promoted that concept for over 51 years here at the Cooper Aerobic Center. It all goes back to 1968 when the publication of this little book came out called Aerobics. It became their national bestseller, primarily because it was featured in Reader's Digest with the title Aerobics, the exercise program developed by a U.S. Air Force doctor, how to feel fit at any age. As customary, you would expect there was the critics of this program and saying, oh, this is just another fad. It won't last. But if you look at the Gallup poll, back in 1968, we had less than 100,000 joggers in America at that time. Less than 24% of our adult actress, adults were exercising regularly. But it didn't fail out because by 1990, we had 30 million people, from 100,000 people in 1960 to 30 million. At the present time, well, it's 2018, 2019, so I figures we have about 56 million Americans are still exercising regularly. But back to 1968, I'm happy to say that I ran my first Boston Marathon in 1962. I placed 101st in the Boston Marathon. That sounds fantastic. Only 150 people rented back in those days. Wasn't much of an accomplishment. But I presented this data, and we found out that contrary to expectations, the heart's going to be, the streets are going to be full of dead joggers. They followed the proof of concept. Heart disease went down by 48% during that period of time. Around the world, only three other countries had that same statistic Australia and Canada and New Zealand, along with us, had that 48% decrease. But most of the countries around the world had an increase. For example, in Russia, it increased 31%. In Poland, 36%. In Hungary, 40%. In Romania, 60%. But you know that decrease that occurred in 1968, that was controversial even as late as 2019. It was in USA Today. I quote verbatim, deaths from coronary heart disease, heart attacks, and other consequences of clogged arteries peaked in 1968. NIH said that. The initial decline was so steep, it was, it was hard for some scientists to believe it. But after much debate, they decided it was real. It was real. And so it, it, it did occur, no question about that. And why? It was because of modern technology. No, only one third of that decrease from 1906 to 1990 can be attributed to modern technology. I'm talking about balloon angioplasties, stents and bypass surgery, and even the use of uh, satin drugs wasn't really prominent until the late 1980s. So something else happened. 67% was because of lifestyle, because 76 million people born between 1946 and 1964 led a health revolution we've never seen before, nobody's seen since. It came to an end roughly in 1990. Who were they? Baby boomers, born between 1946 and 1964. What'd they do? Number one, they quit smoking in great numbers. They dropped cigarette smoking from 46% down to 24% during that period of time. They better, better controlled their blood pressure, went from 15 to 55% during that period of time. Better control of their cholesterol. The middle-aged American male dropped his total cholesterol from 234 down to 204 during that period of time. Thermal health affects the stress and how they control it. And they exercise. Look at that reverse. What's the best way to control stresses I've used for 60 years plus? And that's exercising at the end of the day, prior to the evening meal, so I can control the stress in my life after my 12-hour days here working. I'm 90 years of age. I'm still working up to, up to 50 and 60 hours a week. But I work out before I go home at night. I spend an hour here at the fitness center. I go home and then walk the dog. So I get my exercise in at least five to six days a week on a regular basis. What about the best way to increase the HDL or good cholesterol is aerobic exercise. 
What's the best way to prevent high blood pressure, even treat high blood pressure? And that is aerobic exercise. And what's the best way to break the cigarette smoking habit permanently? And that's start an exercise program. Because you can't, you can't just stop it. You've got to replace it with something. So replace cigarette smoking, replace alcohol abuse with exercise. Might be surprised to see what's happening. You know, unfortunately, this hasn't continued. It was published in 2019 that heart disease progress stalls to stagnation. Last four or five years, there's been no decrease. It's been just stagnation. And it's hard. In fact, it's even roaring back, published in 2019. Why is it coming back after this, after this fantastic thing since 1968? Why is it now roaring back? For an article published in the Wall Street Journal in 2019, young people and women are more often stricken. And death for cardiovascular disease has only dropped 4% since 2011. Why? Because obesity and diabetes have stalled the decline. We know that. We know life expectancy has been dropping here recently. They say because of opioid and because of addiction and because of COVID, rather. And, and it's not because of that. It's because obesity and diabetes has been the major problem. We've seen these changes going the wrong way. For example, in 1990, we had only 13% of our children avoid obese, and now we have 36%. In 1990, we had 36% of our adults avoid obese, that's now 70%. We're in the midst of an obesity and diabetes epidemic that is shortening our life and is taking and something that can be prevented. One of our most famous studies that we published Institute over the last 51 years came out and published back in 2013. We followed 28,000 people for a period of 25 years. Now keep it, understand this closely, because they were 59, they were 49 to 50 years of age, they came to the clinic, 21% were women. They were all healthy. We followed them for 25 years, did only one variable, and that was their level of fitness measured by time on the treadmill. We classified people from very poor, poor, good, excellent, superior. These people were in the good category of fitness, the top 40%, the percentile, and compared to the bottom 40%. And we found these people, the top 40% after 25 years, this is published in February 2013, Adams Internal Medicine, that there was a 36% reduction in deaths from, from Alzheimer's disease. In this group, first the bottom category. Now, why would that occur? Only variable we looked at was chronic, was, was their level of fitness. This came out back in May, June, 2019 in Harvard Magazine. And it says this at the bottom, it says, could inflammation be the cause of myriad chronic conditions? Because they point out in this article, you can have a brain full of amyloid plaque and tau proteins, which causes Alzheimer's. But if you don't have inflammation, you don't get the disease. Chronic inflammation is obviously caused to, causal to the process. You have to you can actually first reverse the pathology. What is chronic inflammation? We have acute inflammation. You cut your finger, have an infectious process but you can have some smoldering chronic inflammation. We measured that by the C-reactive protein. And physicians are not paying attention to the importance of chronic inflammation. We haven't even concentrated on this in the past. I hope what we're doing now with this forthcoming documentaries coming out of my life, I make physicians more aware of the fact you need to concentrate on measuring chronic inflammation and trying to correct it. Because evidence has been proving that chronic inflammation can be associated with these diseases, Alzheimer's, cancer, arthritis, asthma, gout, psoriasis, anemia, multiple sclerosis, Diabetes, depression, Parkinson's are all indeed triggered by chronic inflammation, also published in the article from Harvard. All right, now what is the cause of chronic inflammation? Oxidative stress, pollution, cigarette smoking, processed foods, sugar and refined carbohydrates, and inactivity and obesity causing chronic inflammation. Why, why are those people 
a 36% reduction in Alzheimer's dementia if they're in good category of fitness because these people for 25 years were lean and active trend. Those people in category were overweight and obese. And I'm convinced that that was a major reason why we saw this tremendous difference in the problem with Alzheimer's dementia. The top category was about a category because of inactivity and obesity. Inactivity is prevalent throughout this country. It's concentrated, as you can see in this particular slide, in the southeastern part of the United States. We also can see obesity is concentrated in that area too. And so we do have steps to prevent Alzheimer's and dementia. In addition to exercise, think of these things. All right, everybody, there is just a few minutes of Dr. Cooper. And as he begins to touch on the whole area of preventative medicine, and you've got to really keep up because he, he, he's rapid fire with a lot of the content that he has and a lot of the medical research that he has to back up what he says. But did you notice the emphasis he puts on where he goes, particularly towards the end just there, where he goes, and physical inactivity? Because he really emphasizes that that is the, the key point. And you know that that's the core principle of the new science of physical health is to use the correct dose of physical activity to create the correct health adaptations that drive down your risk. And he talks a lot there about obesity and type 2 diabetes. And we've done a lot of work so far before these episodes, as you go back through the first 80 or so, about how having the correct dose of physical activity raising your active heart fitness score, how that impacts on obesity and how it impacts on blood sugar and type 2 diabetes. More of Dr. Kenneth Cooper uh, tomorrow, and on that, we're going to pick up exactly where we just left off just then. But what a guy. Like, really, when you go back and listen to that again, you listen to tomorrow's episode, think to yourself, when? like, I've watched the video of this, but when have you ever seen a 90-year-old person be that, um, I don't want to use the word lucid. It's just like, like it's like speaking to anyone who's in their 20s or 30s. Voice sounds a little bit older, but you can't believe that someone who has um, complete use of all of their faculties and as a leading scientist continues to be at the forefront of the world of physical health um, and uh, disease, uh, all that, you know, the way that physical health impacts disease, particularly cardiovascular disease, disease, he's still at the forefront of that entire global industry. And he's still, I think he said in there, if you listen carefully, he still works 50 to 60 hours a week, obviously out of love. Um, but most people at 90 have packed their bags and are just kind of hanging about. This is a man who's contributing to the world that he lives in, because that gives him meaning. and But he's contributing in a way which is still at, out in front. He's not sitting behind or just letting other people do things. Amazing human being, just absolutely amazing. And what could you have a better living testament to the new science of physical health and also the science that he spent his entire working career creating? Like... Yeah, let's get more longevity and a more health, not only more longevity, but as Dr. Eduardo Sanchez, who's the chief medical officer for prevention for the American Heart Association, he said to me in an interview, he said that it's not just about a longer life, but it's also a more healthful life. And I find that interesting that 
Here is Dr. Kenneth Cooper, the man who 50 years ago, no, how long? Yeah, 60 years ago, unbelievable, when he started in 1960, said that this is the way to create a more healthful life, more longer life, more prosperous life. And here he is, all of these years later, from when I first read his book back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, um, from when he published it back in 1968, when he published his first book, I was two years old, like literally two years old. Um, and all these years later, I've got the opportunity, very rare opportunity for someone in Australia 16,000 miles away to meet the person. And I didn't even plan it. It was just like just one of those serendipitous things of life. And I was very blessed in that area um, to spend time with him. Um, and But to, to continue to contribute, to continue to lead at that age, he is a living testament to the impact of health adaptations. And that, like, that really inspires me, as you can well tell. I'm a little bit gushing over it, but I did have a great time with him. It was a real thrill. But it's a thrill to be able to share the work of these types of people as an educator, as someone who loves to teach, who loves to get people deeply engaged, deeply connected to raising their own personal physical health status. All right, everybody, that's it. Going to tap out on the show for today. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll be sharing again with you tomorrow more we're going to pick up from where Dr. Cooper left off. All right, everybody, bye for now.